listeners. Welcome to Thursday in the Doghouse, an on-air educational talk show all about our pet dogs. I'm your host, Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. I promise that if you listen to this program on a regular basis, you'll learn to understand what makes your dog tick. There's many aspects that determine why a dog chooses to behave in certain ways. Genetics play a very important role in determining a dog's temperament and how he or she will react to certain circumstances or to specific stimuli. Also, their environment affects their behavior, which is why we need to provide good leadership and guidance in our homes for them. One thing I've learned over the last nine and a half years since working with dogs is that they're smart. Dogs do not spin their wheels for nothing. If a dog does something and gets rewarded for it, he'll choose to do that behavior again and again because he learns that it's working for him. That is how habits are created. The challenge we all face as pet parents is to prevent reinforcing the behaviors that we don't want them to do. We'll talk more about how this works on next Thursday's show. And next Thursday, I'll also be taking your questions during the show. During today's program, we'll learn about pugs. My guest is Lucy Kennedy. Lucy lives with her two pugs and actively volunteers with Precious Pugs Rescue and Adoption. But before we talk to Lucy, I'd like to tell you what services I offer in the South Jersey area as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant. Is your dog always in the doghouse? Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 or on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609-280-9338. We're on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for visiting with us today. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. Lucy, when did you get your first pug as a pet? I got my first pug as a pet 15 years ago. Wow. And obviously you fell in love with the breed. What attracts you to them? Um, Well, first, I really had no knowledge of the pug. I just happened to see one and thought it was the cutest thing I'd ever saw. Um, I was was actually looking for a small dog for my oldest son. I was pregnant, and I knew that the baby wouldn't be a playmate for my son. So I I was looking for a pet, a small dog for him, and I saw this pug, and he was adorable, but I did my research, and I wanted to be sure that the dog was going to be perfect fit for our family mm-hmm. and I did my research and he wa- and the pug was actually a wonderful fit for our family. Mm-hmm. How old was the dog that you uh, you adopted? Actually he was a puppy he was uh, 14 weeks old. Wow. And I raised my pug and my infant son together. 
Beautiful. And it was like having a set of twins. I enjoyed every minute of it, and my children are, um, you know, grown now, but they are wonderful human beings because I believe that raising children with pets is an amazing thing, and it teaches children responsibility. It teaches them how to care for somebody other than themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, did you have any challenges having a puppy and a baby growing up together? Did you have any problems with the baby pulling the puppy's ears or anything like that, that you had to teach your your child what to do and what not to do? I was very careful about that because um, I wanted my baby to know that, that the right way to treat an animal, mm-hmm. and I was always on top of both the puppy and the baby. I think the biggest challenge I had, believe it or not, was um, the puppy taking the baby's pacifier. So I just bought the, ba- the puppy's own pacifier. <laughs> A real child's pacifier? I did. I did. Yep. How cool is that? And did he, did he use, was it his favorite toy? He, it was his favorite toy. I just put an indelible marker. I put his name on it so we knew that that one was his. Uh-huh. And it was exactly the same one that the baby had. Uh-huh. And we just put his name on it so he knew. And he would just chew on that thing for hours. No kidding. <laughs> That's adorable. Um, so, in general, in your opinion, do you think pugs are excitable dogs or are they pretty calm? Well, when they're puppies, they're very excitable. But as they mature, they're very calm, mellow little dogs. Um, they like to sleep. They're, very, they're really good little dogs. Um, they're kind of couch potatoes. Or you think? Yeah, really? I think so. Yeah, oh, you must I mean, be meeting different are. pugs than I meet. <laughs> yeah, my two are couch potatoes. They like to sleep. They sleep a lot. But when they're up, they want to play. Right, right. You know? That's cute. Do you think that they need a ton of exercise, or will, will one walk a day be sufficient for them? Um, I think one to walk a day. I mean, for my pugs, one walk a day is sufficient. But, you know, throughout the day, um, they like to play catch. Like, he'll bring his ball to me or a pull toy, mm-hmm. and we'll play. But he enjoys my youngest one in particular. Mm-hmm. He enjoys his walk, his one walk a day. Okay. He doesn't get overly excited if I try to introduce the second walk. He, look, he looks at me like, Mom, are you crazy? I already did this. <laughs> but he likes his, he likes, you know, to bring his ball to me and we'll play ball or mm-hmm. his pull toy and we'll mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. In general, do you feel that they're challenging to train? Now, what about house training? Do you find in general that pugs are easy to house train or do they have some challenges there? Well, my first pug was, I got as a puppy, and he was extremely easy to train. Um, but I have to say, circumstances were different. I was full-time mom. I was home, and my attention was focused on him. Mm-hmm. It, my older son was in school all day. Uh, the new baby hadn't yet come, so I was there with him, and I had a, a really easy system set up. So I was 100% focused on him. So he was fully trained by six months. Oh, very good. And I used crate training for when I wasn't present, mm-hmm. but 100% trained by six months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the rescues had a little bit of issues, but I still used crate training. And I want to say um, they're very intelligent dogs, and I think if you're consistent, it works. Yeah. And, the, and truthfully, even the ones that I meet, um, you know, who might be a little bit difficult for their owners, I think it's a, just a lack of uh, understanding of the, either the breed or a lack of understanding of dogs in general that get people in trouble with these pugs. But um, I think that most of them are uh, 
they, they require some exercise, and some people just aren't aware that how important, not just physical exercise, but mental exercise is very important also. Um, we have to teach these dogs, not just pugs, but all dogs, how to use their little brains, how to teach them to resolve problems, and we have to get them, uh, get them trained, because an untrained dog is like an untrained child. They get obnoxious, and they get spoiled, and then that's how behavior problems start. Do you agree? I fully agree. Yeah, okay. Um, so you already said that uh, pugs in a family do well with small children. Is is have you ever met one that didn't? Well, I'm sure there's a, there's an exception to every rule, and I'm sure there are. Um, to be honest, um, I'm sure there are. Um, I see that. I basically see. You know, it's hard to say. I, I my, I'm of the feeling that any dog can be trained and or retrained. Mm-hmm. But any dog that I've ever seen that was that wasn't acceptable with children, it's usually on the, on the owner's fault. They're right. not careful or watchful. I believe any parent of a dog or a child always needs to be watchful mm-hmm. when there's children present. Yeah, I, I agree. Because like, there's just certain things you just don't do. You don't give cookies to kids when there's a dog present, no matter what the breed is, who the dog is. You just don't do. You just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Walking freely, a little child that can't fend for themselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually when the accident happens. You know, the, the little toddler's walking around with a cookie, and the dog jumps up to take the cookie. The sure. dog doesn't know that cookie's not for the dog. Sure, of course. And you, you have this little child running around in the family room eating this cookie, and mm-hmm. the dog jumps for the cookie, and there's that bite. That wasn't intentional, mm-hmm. but there's that bite, mm-hmm. and there's the dog in rescue. That's a really good point, uh, Lucy. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of is around the high chair. Uh, a, lot of pa- a lot of people make a mistake of letting the dog lay right underneath the high chair, and they think it's really cute when the baby tosses food to the dog, and then the dog thinks that the child becomes a food release toy. Right. So how did you handle that um, when your child was growing up? I, you know what, my, my dogs were always away from the kitchen. Okay. And, um, you know, I mean, of course, there were times where I forgot and the kids were throwing food to the dogs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you, you correct yourself and you remember this is not a good thing. Yeah. Especially when you see the dog trying to climb up onto the high chair tray and share the food. Right. Sure. You know, and then you recorrect yourself, and it's, it's, it's the human that has to be trained. You mm-hmm. have to retrain yourself <laughs> to do what's right for your child and for your dog. Right, right. We have to have realistic expectations of a dog. I know so many people, regardless of the breed, they'll get mad at a dog for jumping on the counter. Um, one one person told me this week uh, that their dog got a whole stick of butter, and they actually tried to get it away from him. I, I can't imagine how you get a stick of butter out of a dog's mouth, especially, you know. I mean, I told him, I said, if I was a dog, I'd probably get that stick of butter myself. A dog is a dog. They exactly. smell food, they want it, and they know where it is. So don't give them access to it. Yeah. What about pugs and that snub nose they have, the pug nose? Um, I think that they they have to be very careful when they go outside. The owners have to be really careful when they're they, it's hot out. Is that true? That's very true. Heat and extreme cold, too. Mm-hmm. The heat particularly, if it's extremely hot, mm-hmm. they should really only go outside for their potty issues, mm-hmm. in and out, and don't leave them mm-hmm. because it only takes a few minutes mm-hmm. for a pug to pass in the heat. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, um, like less than a half an hour. If it's extremely hot and humid, a pug can just die in, in extreme heat. Right. So they have no, very little sweat glands, and they can't, ex- you know, uh, release the heat 
from their bodies. So they just need to go out in extreme heat, potty, and come right back in. Mm-hmm. Really, I even I even eliminate the walks in the summertime when it's hot. Really? Even in the evening or in the morning? It's, well, it's I'll early. do it early, early in the morning if the humidity is not too high. Right. Um, but mostly a lot of our play is inside in the summer. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Or if it's late at night and the humidity is not too bad, I'll take take for take them for a brief walk. Okay. But I try to just keep them in the air conditioning mm-hmm. because it's a lot. Even with the pollen, they do it. You know, they like to sniff and they get all that in their nose and then they're sneezing and hacking and they have that reverse sneeze thing going on. Right. I try to avoid the summertime. That's a good know, point really about hot. the pollen. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. So I try because pugs really do have a lot of allergies and. Um, uh, skin issues, so I try to avoid a lot of that in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just uh, entered a subject that I was going to talk to you about. Um, when I did my research about the breed, I came up with some information about their health issues. And they, uh, the the website where I go, they said they uh, they're very prone to catching colds. Is that true? Yeah, they they can catch yeah they can catch colds. Yeah. Yep. I uh, try not to bathe on a really cold day. Uh-huh. Um, I watch. I you know even. Even taking them to the groomer, I uh, watch the weather temperatures, and mm-hmm. you know if it's a really cold day, I'll bathe them at night here at home, mm-hmm. and I'll throw the towels in the dryer okay. before I dry them, and I'll blow dry them here, and you know put them to bed so there's no uh, risk of them having to go potty or go for a walk outside in the cold. Right, right. And you said that they are prone to allergies. Do you, are yes, they some, are they prone to like outside? My little, my little girl that passed away in July, she had a plethora of allergies. Uh, food allergies, seasonal allergies, and it was a, a real challenge to keep her healthy. Mm-hmm. With uh, I had to watch everything that went in her mouth, mm-hmm. um, washing her towels in a, in a laundry detergents that were for sensitive skin with no fabric softeners. Oh my! Right. It was it was a real challenge to keep her healthy. I would imagine that when you take uh, a dog like this to the groomer. Do you tell your groomer not to use any kind of perfumed soaps or conditioners? Yeah, I actually brought her. If I took her very rarely because she used to get traumatized. Oh. So when I did have to take her, mm-hmm. um, I would bring her own shampoos with me. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I bathed her. I took care of her because she required weekly bathing, and that would get quite expensive to have a groomer do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I pretty much did it myself. Right. Well. But I would buy... Um, a product called Zymox, and it really helped keep her skin in control. What's, what's the product name? Zymox, Z-Y-M-O-X. Zymox, okay. And it was really good for, she had a, a lot of yeast issues, and it kept the yeast really in control. Okay. Where did you get that product? I got it from Amazon.com. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it was really a good product. Mm-hmm. And what about eye problems? According to this website, they said that they're very prone to inflammation of the cornea. Are you aware of that? Yes, they are. They are. As a matter of fact, my little girl, Dolly, she... Um, the poor thing, she had it all. She had eye issues. She ended up eventually getting, um, she had dry eye and she needed drops and she had eventually got um, glaucoma oh, and God. she had um, cornea erosion. Mm-hmm. This poor little thing, she really did uh, run the gamut. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of this, um, if it, it has to do with a lot of it was poor breeding. Okay. You know, she was a rescue, and I rescued her with all of her issues. Right. And, um, you know, I was glad to do it, and mm-hmm. I took care of her, and I was happy to help her. Right. But right. I sure. think a lot of it comes down to breathing. Some, sure it does. Some dogs just shouldn't be bred. Right. Exactly. Um, there's another uh, disease that's much, much more serious. It's called pug dog encephalitis. Yes, that is very serious, and it's an inflammation of the brain of unknown causes. Um 
and uh, the short version is PDE, and um, a lot of research is being done. I had several friends um, whose pugs died very young of the disease. Mm. Um, there's a lot of uh, research going on with Cornell Institute right now for that, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it and be able to cure it yeah. or, you know, eradicate it in the, in the future. Do you, do you know that if somebody were to, let's say they wanted a pug puppy, um, would, would the breeder test for something like this before breeding a breeding pair? Do you have any idea about that? I, I don't really know that. However, I do know if a breeder is notified that one of their puppies have had the, have been diagnosed with the disease and have yeah. guessed that they shouldn't breed that mother or father again. Right, and hopefully they won't. Right, and hopefully, hopefully. they won't. That's but all it we is up to the owner's responsibility to let that breeder know mm-hmm. that their puppy has been diagnosed with that. And, yeah. you know, the breeder should be responsible and not breed those two parents again. Yeah. And what about that, um, their weight? Do they have a propensity to gain weight pretty quickly? Oh, yes. They <laughs> they live for their food. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if not watched, they will gain weight. You know, I'm very cautious about how much I feed and, you know, and especially, too, as they age, because my, my Pugsley right now, he will be 16 in February. Oh, God, God bless him. And um, he, um, I just feed him, you know, what very minimal. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm, I starve him, but I don't want to add further stress on his aching joints. And he eats twice a day, sometimes mm-hmm. three times, but his, his midday meal will be an apple. Okay. Fresh, some fresh carrots. Right. But, you know, I feed him a half a cup of dog food a day, twice uh-huh. a day. Uh-huh. And like I said, his snacks are apples or carrots or some green beans. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he enjoys that. Good. Uh, it sounds like you uh, you really do take really good care of your, your dogs there. So why do you think that pugs wind up in rescue? What is the most common problem that you see that causes pugs to wind up in a rescue uh, organization? Can I be honest? Absolutely. Bad owners. <laughs> I think my opinion is dogs are a lifetime commitment. Mm-hmm. And most times getting a pet is a spontaneous decision. Mm-hmm. And then when um, the honeymoon period is over and the puppies grow up and they, they're they not committed to the, the housebreaking and um, the dogs end up in rescue. Or if the dog maybe chews a table leg and... You know, or the family's working full time and they realize, oh, the dog needs to be walked again or, you know. Mm-hmm. I just don't think people realize that it's a lifetime commit- commitment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that every day, Lucy. You know? and, or, or, you know, I see, you know what, the biggest, there's two times of the year where dogs come in to rescue abundantly, and that's Christmas time mm-hmm. and June. Yeah. And I think it's Christmas time because, okay, now people are fixing up their houses for the holiday and the dog's in the way. Mm-hmm. And it sounds awful, but that's what I, that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the June, all right, vacation time, um, maybe they can't afford a a, um, a place to put the dog for vacation, a, a, to board it, mm-hmm. or somebody to watch the dog. So now that they may be on the fence on whether or not they're giving up the dog, and now this is the deciding factor. Okay, again, it's vacation time. We have nowhere to put the dog. Let's just give it away. Wow. And it's sad. It's sad. Mm-hmm. Do, in your opinion, the, the the pugs that wind up in rescue, have any of them had any training that you're aware of commonly? Uh, some of them um, that end up in rescue, really, I can't say 
100% have bad owners. Some of them, it's like a lifetime. Like, you know, in, in the state of the economy right now, people are losing their homes. Right. So some of the dogs are unfortunately, unfortunately are a result of that, and mm-hmm. we get some of those poor babies into rescue because their families have no homes. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, and the dog comes into rescue, which, yeah. you know, thank God they, they seek us out rather than a, a kill shelter, God forbid. Right. So we get the dog into rescue um, for, for that reason. You know, it's just it's just really a sad day when when you have to give up your dog. Yes, it is. I'm sure for everybody involved, the dog in particular. What about strays? Do you do you find that you get many strays? We people will find a stray and we'll and we'll Google us and we, yeah, we do get some strays and mm-hmm. we try our best to find the owner. But if not, we get them vetted and get them onto a new home. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you get contacted by people, do you have foster homes for these dogs? That's our biggest challenge, one of our biggest challenges besides funding. Our biggest challenge is foster homes. You know what happens in the in the pug world, or in, and I'm sure in any rescue world where your volunteers is, you get in a foster, you take it to the vet, you care for it, you love it, and you fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the foster homes end up keeping their foster puppy. Oh, of course. So yeah. therefore... After a while, you have a couple of dogs. You might have your own, one or two of your own, and a couple of fosters that you've kept. Right. Now you're no longer available to foster. Yeah. So that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so, then, you know, after a while, too, if you're not one of those that keep your fosters, that's how I ended up with Hercules. He was my foster failure. <laughs> I kept Hercules. So if you're, if you're able to let your foster go, now, before I had Hercules, I must have fostered up, maybe up to nine or ten, do- ten dogs, and I was able to let each and every one go. Mm. Hercules was a little harder because my kids got involved with him, mm-hmm. and they had never experienced a puppy because they were babies throughout the whole time that I fostered. Mm-hmm. So he was the first that they were truly aware of and truly got to experience, and he was young and playful, and they were able to take part in his care. So they fell in love with him right. and wanted to keep him. But a lot of it is foster burnout. After a while... You're fostering so much, your heart breaks each and every time you, you burn out. Mm-hmm. So that's a big problem in rescue. You lose, you lose a lot of foster homes. Okay. So how do you tr- do? You try as an organization to encourage people to foster. How do you put the word out? Well, a lot of them we try to go to you know um, meetup groups, you know pug clubs. You know, you try to bring in some of your friends that have pugs and, and ask them to help you out and foster. Okay. And a lot of it is, too, you try to bring in the fosters and get them out to adoptive families as quick as you can. So mm-hmm. you don't burn out and you don't burn out your foster homes. You try to do the best you can mm-hmm. and move them into new homes as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. What is the role of a foster parent? What, Other than housing the dog, what commonly does a foster parent do when I, they get a foster? I think the biggest role is to analyze the behavior of the dog because oftentimes when you get a dog into foster care, you cannot trust what the surrendering family says right. 100% because their reasons, or should I say excuse, for surrendering a dog is often glorified for their own benefit. For example, they may say um, the dog um, is out of control. And they might be just trying to justify the dog's behavior to themselves as a reason for giving this dog into rescue. Mm-hmm. And you may get the sweet little angel right. that is so calm and mellow and sweet 
So I never really listen to what the owners say and take it to heart 100% until I've analyzed the behavior of the dog in my home. Okay. And see how the dog truly is. Right. And it's usually rarely what the owner says it is. How long, this is this is a very good point because I, I see this with any rescue, not just pugs. How long, I call it a honeymoon period, and it is commonly called a honeymoon period. Right. Um, in your estimation, how long does that honeymoon period last? I My my feeling is about two weeks. That it, that's it? Yeah, sometimes it's two weeks. It could be longer, a couple of months. I We usually... I mean, my opinion is you see the best behavior for two weeks, then the personality starts to um, come out a little bit at a time. It depends on how traumatized the dog is or what the circumstances is from which it came. Okay. Could be a couple of months. Now, we've had, um, I had an example of a dog that came in, a friend of mine adopted, it was the foster home, and adopted the dog, and he was wonderful mm-hmm. for six months. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, his true colors came out. Yeah. Luckily, she kept them. Mm. and was able to work with him because his children, her children are older. Was this an aggression issue? Yeah, he was a, he was a nipper. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he started to, but he only nipped at the at the wife. Okay. Yeah, he didn't nip at the husband. He attached himself to the husband right. and he nipped at the wife. Okay, so that's easily correctable. Right, right. So, um, but it took, it took him six months. Okay, all right. Um, it's two colors. Where, tell us a bit about your rescue group and also... Uh, what their website is, where are they located, and that type of information. Well, our website, our, the name of our group is Precious Pugs Rescue and Adoption, um, and our website is www.ppra.org. Mm-hmm. Um, it was founded in 1999 by the Malgiri family, um, and they're located in New York. But we have volunteers in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, um, and we all, you know, work out of our homes, mm-hmm. volunteer from our homes, do mm-hmm. fundraising, transports. Um, we we never turn a pug down. If somebody contacts us, we do our best to get that pug to safety okay. and into a safe and forever loving home. Right. We, um, you know, it's just it's just our our life goal to get these pugs safe. We actually screen thoroughly our applicants because our goal is to get this dog placed so that we never have to re-surrender this dog again because it's not that we don't want to help it again. Mm-hmm. We just don't want to traumatize this dog again. Right. Okay. So we really thoroughly, I mean, we home visit, we do the work. Okay. We just really want this dog placed so that it never has to experience this life change again. Okay. Where can people find out more about this group? Um, on our website. Okay. And it, again, it's www.ppra.org. All right. And if they want, if anybody has any kind of uh, desire to provide a foster home, would they contact you or would they contact your rescue group? They can contact me. My, my information is on the web okay. at, under that web address. Okay. Um, also, I'd like, since it is the holiday season, I'd like to ask if anybody would be interested in donating to our organization there is a link there. They can donate to us as well and would help help us offset some of our medical bills. That would be great. A lot of our pugs that come in uh, do come in because they have some severe medical issues and their families can no longer care for them. Mm-hmm. And we do get them all the medical attention that they need and either put them into hospice care or get them healthy enough to be adopted. Lucy, thank you very, very much for um, 
for joining us today. I, I think you did a great job, and I learned a, a lot about pugs just from what the things that you were talking about. And uh, thank you very much for all the good work that you do for this breed. We need as many people like you as possible um, for all breeds of dogs. And, uh, I, I, again, I thank you very much, and I hope that you and yours have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to tune in next week when I'll be taking your calls and answering your questions live. We'll discuss how to set rules and boundaries for our dogs in a way that they'll understand what we expect from them rather than screaming at them and saying no and getting angry and frustrated with our beloved pet dogs. On another note, I'd like to just remind everybody that with the holiday season approaching very quickly, uh, this is a very busy time of the year. Many people are planning to get a puppy at this time of the year for their children, um, for their elderly parents. And I just want to remind you to think twice before you do that. It's better yet to give somebody an IOU and tell them that you will get them a puppy in the spring. And the reason I say this is because weather conditions are very bad. It's a very bad time to start house training a little baby puppy. Um, It's a bad time because your time is limited. I have to just tell you, raising puppies and starting out from scratch requires an awful lot of time patience and commitment so if you can give an IOU to promise uh, your loved one or whoever you wanted to get that puppy for wait until March or April and you'll have a much better chance at having a successful time with that new arrival okay have a great week everybody and we'll be talking together next week uh, from 10 to 10 30 on Thursday in the doghouse